Hey, super friends, my name is Neil, and this is episode 44 of the Get Your Comic On podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring a slice of comic book, film, TV, and pop culture goodness from our studio direct to your speakers. I am, of course, joined by my very own boy wonder himself, Martin. Say hello, Martin. Hello, Martin. This week, we are going to be rounding up some news. We've got some costume reveals from Titans and also the uh, no longer Arrowverse, the CW-verse, and the news that Spider-Man 3 has now started filming in Atlanta. And then we are going to have a good long chat about a TV series that we have enjoyed watching recently called Lovecraft Country, which you can check out now on HBO and HBO Max in the US and on Now TV in the UK. And we're also going to talk about a brilliant three-part DC Black Label comic book series by the name of Three Jokers. So without further ado, let's get down to it. How you doing this week? You okay? Um, alright. Just alright? Yeah, just alright. How's the how's the hole in your tooth? It's still there. It's uh it's more of a crevice than an actual hole. That's good. Maybe we should add it to the weekly headline well not weekly, fortnightly ish headlines. Tooth watch. Tooth update. <laughs> How big is the hole this week? And with that, let's dive into the news. So we had not one, but two costume reveals in the last fortnight from the world of DC. Uh, one of them we knew about, the other one we did not know about. So uh, LJ Supersuits and the Titans social media accounts teased that an announcement was coming, I think it was the 26th, yeah, 26th of October, and all we knew that it was a reveal to do with Red Hood, but the fact that it was LJ Supersuits that had um, part, taken part in kind of the announcement of the announcement, it was kind of obvious it was going to be a costume reveal, and we got our first look at Curran Walter's Red Hood suit. We got two looks, one photo that you thought was a CGI rendering, and a CGI rendering... <laughs> So we got some uh, we got some production artwork that showed him in action, and then a, a costume shot of what it actually looks like in practice. What do we think of Titan's Red Hood? Oh me. Um, there's no one else in this room. Well, normally you just speak, and I just chip in every so often. I just wait for when you try and take a pause for breath. Oh, okay. Well, what what do you, boy wonder, think of the Jason Todd Red Hood costume from? HBO Max and Netflix's Warner Brothers production Titans. I liked it. Mm. Uh, Slight pause there in the way you said it. So I thought it was an interesting amalgamation of different variations of a Red Hood costume. Okay, what different interpretations do we have? Is this the hoodie? It's the hoodie. I think more the hoodie. Okay. So he sometimes has a hoodie, sometimes he doesn't. Okay. So I quite like that. But it fits with Jason, I suppose, and his the way he's characterised in yeah, Titans. He's always had his red hoodie. Yeah. Because he's the red hood. He's a red hoodie. Um, what else? I was surprised that they went for the classic helmet and not the half-face helmet. I had expected them to go for the new design. So that you could kind of still see part of his face. Yeah. Hmm. I'm glad he didn't, because if you're going to do it, you've got to do it right. I know there's been quite a lot of controversy around the cowl and the helmet. Yeah, there seems to be quite a lot of comments that the the helmet looks too big. But I think looking at it, 
he's actually just leaning forwards and that's because you can't see his neck so his chin is very much down over his chest so i can understand why it does kind of look like that but he's kind of in a sort of battle ready pose almost i i can see where you're coming from Mm. but it does look slightly big around the face so if i've seen a lot of cosplay yeah red hood helmets and i would say probably some of them are perhaps slightly better in the okay. finish um what do you think about the fact it's got a crack down it that's interesting i quite like that it's good it's very it's battle worn yeah so i'm interested to find out how it ends up looking like that or why it looks like that has he inherited it from somewhere else or is this just that he's you know what we're seeing here is him after he's maybe been involved in a couple of fights with nightwing and he's is damaged up a bit. I'm intrigued to know why why the cracks. What do you think of the what we see of the body armor? Yeah, I like everything else. I think his bat logo looks a bit wonky in that picture. It looks like it's been painted on because you can see it kind of the some of the the points of the bat are almost like paint drips. So I'm guessing we're going to see him just sort of spray paint it on. I quite like that. It's very rustic. Yeah. His belt appears to be the exact same belt that he wears when he's Robin. Yep, so it looks like he's taking parts of his Robin costume, which is interesting. I think it's the same trousers as well. It could well be, actually, with guns holstered. And then quite clearly wearing a pair of new rock boots. He's uh, leaning in towards his inner goth. I really like it. I mean, I very rarely have anything to say to complain about these things, because I always just think the amount of time and effort that's gone into trying to make it work for the market that they're aiming at, as well as please fans of the comics and make use of the actor's abilities as well because you know it's got to fit around him as well as everything else i just i'm always appreciative of the amount of effort that goes into designing these and i think the team at lj supersuits do a good job they do pretty much all of the titans ones and now they've started doing some of the arrowverse ones as well so yeah, i think good. they they throw together a good quality costume i like the red of the hood the sorry not the not the metallic <laughs> hood the the hoodie that he's wearing underneath the leather jacket so uh, anything that you would change about it other than the the maybe the sizing or the the shape of the helmet no i mean to be honest i'd probably even change that i mean i think it's a good interpretation i'm glad they kept white lenses in there because that's what i mean it's good i mean you're always got a variation of a hood yeah it was a variation of a cowl but yeah. i think for this it's his red hood that's how it should look how do we think he's going to end up being the red hood well it has to i mean there's only one way to be the red hood yeah <laughs> That will be the the most decisive moment, is do they stick to a true origin? Well, Arkham logos have been spotted on set in, I say this in air quotes, Gotham, where they're currently filming. So Arkham is now established in the Titans universe. So that leads to plenty of rumours that they're off to see the Joker in Arkham to find out what he did to Jason, maybe. I mean, we don't know. All we know is, from what they said at Fandome, that when Jason returns, he will chance you know he will turn into the red hood or he will be the red hood when he returns so there's nothing to say that he doesn't return and get captured by joker and turns into the red hood just by saying that he's the red hood when he gets back doesn't mean that he's changed over the course of the period between two seasons maybe i wonder how much time they're going to do if they're going to stick to the two-year time gap hmm it's gonna be interesting we don't know very much at all we don't really know any casting for anybody else we don't know who's playing barbara gordon we don't know who's playing jonathan crane we don't know any of that yet even though they've been filming for two, three weeks now? That's still early days, isn't it? I mean, it is early days. But I'm guessing the reason that they did this is probably the same reason why 
we're now seeing set photos of Arkham and stuff like that because they're obviously shooting out in the open. So I'm guessing they've done this before, like the Nightwing costume. Someone gets a blurry shot of him from a distance, and we we don't they don't get to have control over people's first look at the Red Hood. Doesn't get papped. Exactly. But that wasn't the only costume reveal that we got on that very... I think it was the same day, to be honest. We also got our first look in two photos of uh, Javicia Leslie in her Batwoman costume for season two of Batwoman. Not only does she have a new costume, but she also has a new Batmobile, which is also pretty funky. So what do we think of first look at new Batwoman? Again, I like it. I think it's well done. It's true to the origin. It's still reminiscent of Mark One, shall we say? Yeah, it's not a huge step on from what Ruby Rose was wearing. But it's still very unique to the new character. It is, yeah. I'm just loading up the photo on my iPad so that we can... Discuss some of the detail changes. It's similar enough for the return viewers, but it's new enough yeah. to put our own stamp on it. So it's clearly more fitted for her. I actually really like the new hair, which I wasn't sure that I would because in the comic book, it, the red wig is one of the most iconic things about Batwoman. So I thought I, I didn't. I knew that a red wig wouldn't fit her, but I wasn't sure what they meant when they said they were going to change the hair. And what they've done is managed to pay homage to her roots whilst not straying too far away from Batwoman as well, which I quite like. No pun intended. Hair, roots, heart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By putting the little bits of red in there. So I wonder... I mean, we've not really seen any shots of her as Ryan Wilder out of costume, so I don't know if this is how her hair is going to be or if this is still a Batwoman wig, but I like it. It's it's natural, and it's not something you get to see on TV very much as people keep talking about the fact that often black women's hair is straightened and not allowed to look natural, so it's nice to see that happening. Yeah, I don't understand any of that. I don't see the issue. It's hair. I know, but we we don't have all that much hair. That's true. We just have short man hair. And that's men's hair, which is short. Not that we are short men with hair. Moving on. I really like that they've added more red accents to the costume. So it seems like they've slightly adjusted the bat logo in the chest. Which looks more like Batwoman's comic book costume but also they, she now has a bat belt I never understood the utility belt that uh, Ruby Rose wore because it was angled like it curved up over her hips and just had a triangle in the middle of it whereas as much as you could say maybe this is a bit cheesier to go a bit closer to the comic book it's cool to have a, a utility belt with a bat logo in the center of it you're nodding sorry I'm like mm, yeah mm, yeah yeah <laughs> I think I prefer this costume more to the first costume. I never liked the first costume. Yeah, this is much better. It did. The first costume very much felt like she just stole Bruce's old costume and did a really bad job of it. <laughs> I suppose, I mean, all we saw them do was spray paint it and then suddenly it fit a woman's shape, even though it looked like it was supposed to fit a man's shape. It was almost like, bah, we'll give it a go. Yeah, whereas they've done more to this. So sticking with the red, I mean, you've still got the the cape that has red accents to it. They've now also added some red onto her gloves and her gauntlets, which looks quite cool as well. But the actual black bodysuit has been made much more texturized now than it was before. It looked very much like a matte textured material before and was very, very flat, whereas this 
if you look close up, you can see that it's now got what looks more like sort of either PVC or leather or made to look like leather panels to it. So when you look at her arms, there's there's actually different textures. So when it's lit right, it doesn't just look like a flat surface. It just it has a lot more texture. Yeah, but there's just a lot more going on with it. I think. So really, I'm actually this has got me quite excited for season two of Batwoman. Not that I didn't enjoy season one, which we've talked about at length before in the past, but it had its issues. And I think it took Ruby Rose a long time to warm up to playing that role. And I'm, I am sad still, slightly, that she's gone, because I do think she hit a stride towards the end of the season. But I'm now very excited to see what Javicia Leslie does. As she was running out the door. As she was yeah, running for the hills as fast as she possibly could. Bye, guys. They just posted some Halloween photos all together hanging out because obviously they're in a bubble together while they're filming. But interestingly, and it may, I don't know, I have a funny feeling she may have a youngish family, but most of the cast were there apart from Alice. Rachel Scarsden wasn't in the picture. So it could be that she's got a young family and she was with them for Halloween, but that would kind of mean breaking the bubble. Or it might be that she's not maybe in season two as much, so isn't around at the moment, but... I mean, that would make sense because the whole thing about Alice is her relationship with Kate as her sister and trying to rebuild that in like a weird way. And if she's not there, then what's the point of Alice? Yeah, so that worries me that they were going to end up without Alice because I actually think she's quite an integral character to that programme. And she's one of my favourite parts of season one. So that's going to be that's going to be interesting. But for now, production continues on both Titans and Batwoman. I would imagine we're going to see Batwoman for... Why am I saying imagine we're going to see Batwoman first? I know this because they've announced all the premiere dates for the new seasons. So Batwoman returns to screens first and will premiere on January the 24th and it will air on Sunday nights, which it did before, so that's not new, where it airs alongside the second season of Charmed. That's controversial. Yeah. Starting on February the 8th, Black Lightning season four will air on Mondays really try and watch that again yeah we really do need to get back to that actually uh tuesdays will be a double pairing of the flash and superman and lois they will both start on february the 23rd so it's a bit staggered so you've got 24th of january for batwoman then you've got black lightning starting when did i just say on february the 8th and then superman and lois and the flash on february the 23rd supergirl for those who are wondering and legends of tomorrow will both start at mid-season so they don't have dates yet and Titans has just moved seasons one and two over to HBO Max in America. So you can now get both seasons of that on there before DC Universe becomes DC Universe Infinite in January. And internationally, you can still get your Titans fix on Netflix. Season three will probably come a little bit later in 2021. The only other news story I had of note this week is that Spider-Man 3 has officially started filming. Tom Holland has landed in Atlanta. He has been given the script, so beware. <laughs> Spoilers could appear anywhere at any point whenever Tom Holland opens his mouth. But they have officially kicked off production. We don't know very much about this one. John Watts returns as the director, as with Spider-Man Far From Home and Spider-Man Homecoming. Presumably, though not confirmed, Zendaya will be back as MJ and we'll also have Ned and the crew back. Rumours that this one will feature some Spider-Verse characters as well. So plenty of talk about... Well, obviously, Electro is in this film, which we don't quite understand. Uh, and it will be played by 
Jamie Foxx, who played him in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and then rumours that Andrew Garfield and um, Tobey Maguire may both be in this as their Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man as well, not Spider-Man 2 as in the number 2. The Spider-Man, not Spider-Man. Spider-Men's. Spider-Men's. The Spider-Men's. They've got the Spider-Men'sies. How do you feel about the potential of them doing a Spider-Verse live action? Do you think it could get really complicated? Context seems like Phase 4 Marvel is going to revolve around the Marvel multiverse, and this is going to be how we're going to weave in the Fox stuff. So, start off with one division, Wonder Vision, not one division, like One Direction. So, Disney Plus, Break the Multiverse, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and then a potential Spider-Man that has Spider-Men. And then, lo and behold, a mutant can probably crop up. Etc, etc, etc. What thoughts on this, Boy Wonder? Um, I don't really have any thoughts on it, to be honest with you. It's not something I've ever thought about. Well, we talk about multiverses a lot when it comes to DC, so how do you feel about Marvel taking a crack at doing the same thing in live action? I think good on them. You know, they've got some good tips from other people. The so. tone in your voice there was like, you give it a go. DC will do it better. <laughs> well, no, because when you think about multiverse, you think of a DC because they've got, a, it feels to me that it's more of an established multiverse. We had this conversation, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago when you were asking me about Marvel's multiverse and how established it is. It's not something that they play around with anywhere near as much as DC do. But then that's probably me because I don't read Marvel comics because I find it too... What's the word? I never know where to start. Yeah. And when I do start, they end it abruptly and I never get closure. Yes. So then I've got a huff with them. <laughs> that's true. So they're rare. What would you like to see in Spider-Man 3, given where we left him in Spider-Man 2, Far From Home? And what did we leave him? Left him... Exposed. Exposed, vulnerable, scared and confused. With J. Jonah Jameson on his tail. Maybe a bit more around how he gets out of that sticky situation. I assume there'll be something about the multiverse and the reset the time and there'll be no consequences. <laughs> well, it's Marvel and they don't have consequences. I would like to see consequences. I'm always talking about the fact that I would like to see consequences in the Marvel Universe. I thought we finally had it when we blinded Thor, but then he got an eye back in the next film, so... That's what I would like well, to Well, Tony see. Stark's dead and will remain dead for some time. That's a big consequence. He's not going to come back. Yeah. But he might do. As much as I do rant and rave about the lack of consequences in Marvel, I do think that Endgame has given us a situation where we might actually have some moving forward, so wait and see. We'll follow production on Spider-Man 3 quite closely as it moves on. I would imagine we'll start seeing set photos and things like that at some point. So it's going to be interesting to see where the MCU decides to take this. Lo and behold, we are in a situation where we're slightly lacking in MCU in our lives at this point. We don't know when One Division is going to premiere and we don't know when we're going to get to see Black Widow. We don't know when we're going to get to see Eternals that, and even Shang-Chi potentially as well. We'll just wait and see what happens next with the MCU as we wait for Wonder Woman, which news today, which again isn't on the list because it's not confirmed yet, but looks like it's moving again. Oh, not again. Well, I'm not surprised. Well, with uh, so most of Europe going into lockdown too, that's a good sort of 25-30% of the box office that could disappear if we don't manage to reopen our cinemas by Christmas, so not great. I mean, our cinemas were never going to be open by Christmas anyway. Sydney World were like, nope. <laughs> no. 
So that's a bit of a watch this place. But that's news for another day. Let's move on to talk about some TV. This is a series that we've been talking around for a little while because we've been watching it and very, very much enjoying it, but it's now finished, so I thought it was about time that we had a chat about it. But Lovecraft Country is a 10-episode series which is available in the US on HBO Max and HBO. And in the UK, you can uh, you can pick it up on iTunes or you can stream it on Now TV. The series stars Jonathan Majors, Journey Smollett, Courtney B. Vance, Michael Kenneth Williams... Anjanu Ellis, I'm hoping I pronounced that right, and uh, Wanmi Masaku. Oh, let's not forget the White Witch, Abby Lee, and uh, a former X-Man, Jamie Chung. The series is based on the book Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff. It follows uh, Jonathan Majors, Atticus, I was about to say Atticus Ross, that would be the man that makes music with the guy from Nine Inch Nails, uh, <laughs> Atticus Freeman and his, do you call her a love interest? I call her a sidekick slash love interest. Letitia fucking Lewis. It's a love interest. Played by Journey Smollett Bell. Uh, the, it, how, would, how would you describe it? Weird. <laughs> Suddenly thinking that I don't quite know how. Weird. It's almost like ten seasons of American Horror Story condensed into ten episodes. So where each season of American Horror Story is different, each episode of Lovecraft Country is different, although they play the same characters. So the characters don't change, but each episode is like a different genre. So you have like your body horror, your monster horror, slasher horror, there's some sci-fi, there's some historical stuff stuff that left me an emotional wreck. (laughs) you got some witchiness, you got some culty stuff. There's a lot that happens in ten episodes. Time travel. Time travel episode, yeah. It's very hard to pin it down and compare it to anything particularly. You've got challenging themes. You do, which is why the series has drawn a lot of comparisons to Watchmen. Um, interestingly, it drew comparisons to Watchmen before it went back to tell a very similar story. In the penultimate episode, they do go back to Tulsa and it does recount the same events that we witness in the pilot episode of Watchmen. So there, there is some interesting crossover there and it does tell some very interesting and important stories. And similarly to how Watchmen did it in a very important way, Lovecraft Country does it in an equally important way, but in a very different one. What drew you to this series? Other than me saying, watch this. Um... It was just nuts, but it was quite grippingly nuts. It was a very intriguing story that you didn't know where it was going to go next or what was going to happen. And the characters were very lovable. Not lovable. Um, They were very likeable and lovable, and I felt very invested in their journey. Yeah, I agree. I think Atticus is a good kind of... I was going to say standard leading man, but that's probably not the right... It's so difficult to think your way around this because it's so complex. Uh, I enjoyed his characterization, and he went through some really interesting stuff throughout the season. He had to deal with who he was constantly. It was challenged a lot between the cult to 
finding out about his dad and dad's relationship with the mum and then the the friend that was involved there there was a there was a lot that challenged who he was and his time in the Vietnam War and then meeting Jamie Chung's character there was there was a lot there so I almost felt like do you know to me he almost wasn't the lead I don't know if there was a lead I think there were all that's, leads in their own right yeah, that's exactly what I was kind of coming to in my head there thinking about it I mean he he was kind of sort of top billing to Journey Smollett but she was the thing that kept me coming back every single week. I think the thing that was interesting was that what there was him, Black Canary, <laughs> Letitia, Letitia, Letty, Letty, um, her sister. Yes, who uh, I instantly recognised from her appearance in Batman v Superman: Semicolon Dawn of Justice, and the dad yep. and the little girl. And the little girl's mum. But they all and had their I'd, own story. That They're really all... confused me, the ant. Because her name spelt Hippolyta, which I we would know from Wonder Woman, but it was Hippolyta. Yeah, they all, as I was saying, Sorry. rudely interrupted. They all have their own story. And they're all the leads of their own episodes. Yeah, that's true. It's very much an ensemble cast. That's the word. Ensemble. <laughs> Ensemble. Ensemble. But it was really nice the way it did that because there were certain characters who you wouldn't have expected. So as much as you expected Atticus and Letty and uh, and the dad because they were at the forefront at the beginning and the uncle as well for, for his time that he was in the show, I hadn't expected that Spoilers. there would be an episode that would look so closely at Hippolyta or uh, her daughter either. So that was interesting, although I don't know that you appreciated the episode that looked at Hippolyta's daughter, did you? No, I didn't like that one. That was a little bit too much horror for me. <laughs> I was quite menaced. Did you have a favourite episode? No, because I couldn't pick them out from a lineup just because they're all so crazy. Mm. I liked them all. Mm. The ones with the least amount of horror. <laughs> I think I would probably say my favourite was the Tulsa episode. That was quite sad. It was very heart-wrenching. It was. Very, very much so. And really well acted. I realise I'm slightly biased on my opinion of Journey Smollett because I think she's awesome as Black Canary uh, in Birds of Prey. But actually, she kind of... I'm not even going to say she knocked it out of the park. I'm going to say she kind of she pretty much smashed it out of the park in every single episode. She built her own park. She built her own park and she knocked it down. Yeah. And then she built another one. She went, this is the park. <laughs> she was, I mean, for me, she was the strongest actor of the bunch, but they were all very, very good. There wasn't, I'm not saying that there was a weak link anywhere. I'm just, she was just amazing. And I still can't, whenever I see her in Lovecraft Country, I still get shocked by thinking, oh God, it's Black Canary. Because she looks so different. She does look very, very different, yeah. And... They do know, some... We're going from sort of modern times, gangster, yeah. Gotham to 1950s, 40s, 60s? <sighs> 60s. Yeah. I'm in middle America. You're like, well, it's quite a style difference. 60s. 
50s. 50s. <laughs> I googled it while you were talking. A long time ago. Set in the 1950s, Lovecraft Country follows a young black man named Atticus Freeman whose father has gone missing under mysterious circumstances. He teams up with his best friend Letitia and his uncle George on a road trip through Jim Crow America, hoping they'll be able to find him, is the exact synopsis for the show. Yeah. It was interesting for me because I didn't realise that some of the things that were covering, you just didn't think... I didn't realise happened in the, that time in the 50s. The That's really interesting racism. though, isn't it? And it, we had the same thing. You're confronted by the same thing as a generic white male, as we are, watching Watchmen. I mean, when you when you watched that pilot and you saw the Tulsa thing for the first time, that was like, why do I not know about this? And why are we not taught this? And why is America especially not taught about this? Because it's a, a horrific black mark in their history. It's terrible. And then you get it in this, and you get to learn about things like sundown towns as well, early on, with the police car that's chasing them and saying, you know, you need to get out of this town by sundown, or basically we have free reign to kill you. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Because if you think, if you were to compare that to other periods in history, like other great atrocities, yeah, you know, they're in the forefront of your mind, and it's taught about, and you just know, we're never going to do this yeah, again. exactly. But... You learn from past mistakes. But I don't know if it's an American thing where you just don't talk about it. And in that way, it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's never something that was ever taught or talked about when I was in school. No, no. Or uh, nothing like that. I mean, you talked about other things in history, but you would never, that was never brought up. That was no. never mentioned. It's not something that we're particularly freely taught about. You can discover it on your own, but otherwise, no. Which is why it's great that you get shows like this who have, you know, a uh, strong black cast and uh, creatives that are behind the scenes as well. This isn't a, a white man telling a black man's story. It's, you know, this is people of colour making their own story and telling it in a very stark, you know, no bullshit kind of way. Which I appreciate a lot and have enjoyed every second of. And we need more of it. We do. It's not been announced whether it's going to get a season two yet. I'm crossing everything. Although the ending, which we will not spoil here, doesn't necessarily set it up for another season. But I think it could. No, I don't know. It almost feels like a watch memory. I think that's it. Yeah, it does in many ways feel like a, a almost perfect story. I mean, I'd like, I'd like more, but if I don't get more, I'd be happy with the ending that it had. I haven't bought it yet. I'm I'm waiting to buy it so I can watch it again. It, it absolutely is crying out to be watched again. Binged. I'm enjoying listening to the soundtrack, though. Lots of fun music on the soundtrack. Mm. Any excuse to get Journey Smollett to sing, really. Just put away the, the fine glassware. Yeah. <laughs> watch out for the canary cry. So as we said at the top of this feature, uh, you can watch Lovecraft Country on HBO Max and HBO in America, and here in the UK you can catch it on Now TV, or you can pick up season one on iTunes. Comic book review. Paint on your happy face and prepare for a bleak, very atmospheric, I think, three-part black label take on the Joker in Batman 3 Jokers. Now, I'm going to start out by just confronting a little something here because it's impossible to not. Jeff Johns isn't exactly having the best time in the press at the moment for a number of reasons, which 
we don't need to discuss here because I'm sure you're completely aware of it. That is not going to factor into anything that we have to say about Three Jokers. I think regardless of what comes to light that he has done in, in business, in the making of Justice League and anything else he's been involved with, he has still managed to write an excellent comic book. And so I'm I'm taking that on face value. Put the person out of it and what he may or may not have done. Opinions may change later if there's evidence of that fact. But in terms of the actual story of Batman Three Jokers, this is an, this is an excellent book which I thoroughly recommend as long as you're able to separate out the stuff that is unravelling in the press as we speak. So just to cover off the the, the admin at the beginning, uh, Three Jokers is a uh, DC Black Label series. All three parts are available now. There will be a collector's edition probably in the very near future. All three parts are written by Jeff Johns with art by Jason Fabok. The story centres on three of Joker's biggest victims. So you've got Batman, Batgirl and Red Hood who are dealing with their own internal demons after having tangled with the Joker in several famous storylines. So you've got your killing joke. You've got anything between Batman and Joker. Probably killing joke as well, really. And then also death in the family when it comes to Jason. I'm going straight to you. Thoughts on Batman Red... <laughs> Batman Red Hood. I'm coming over to you. Thoughts on Batman Three Jokers? It was very good. I'm a little bit disappointed. Okay, what are you disappointed by? That it's Black Label. Because you feel like it's never going to get picked up in normal continuity. Yeah, so when we think back to Batman in his Mobius chair, and when was that, Forever Evil? Yes, end of the New 52. End of the New 52, where he's like, oh, there are three of them. And you think, oh, what's that all about? And then we've had this massive tease, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Oh, it's here. Oh, it's Black Label. I mean, they've still said this is continuity. Oh, have they? Yeah. But I thought Black Label wasn't continuity. You and I have had this conversation several times. Uh, it does... I mean, they can cherry-pick, can't they? They can decide when it when they want it to impact on continuity, and they can decide when it's not. I think in this respect, they've just used it as an excuse for them to take their gloves off and do something that's a bit no-holds-barred, which is ironic, really, because actually this isn't the most Black Labelist of the Black Label books I've read. No. I know you said to me that it feels like a sequel to... The Killing Joke. Killing Joke. Which is now a Black Label book. Which is now... Is that Black Label as well? But it's kind of continuity? It's very much continuity. They've always said that it happened. It's the outcome of Killing Joke that changes. So, I mean, the outcome for years afterwards was Oracle. And then in New 52, they wrote out Oracle to make her still be Batgirl. And that survived through Rebirth. But in all of those different versions she's always been shot by the joker it's just whether she had an implant that meant she could walk again or whether it was the direct response and she was oracle there's no way that they're not going to pick up on the ending of this book again i'm going to say now there may well be spoilers (laughs) always worth noting i always forget to say it they can't there are too many ramifications for the end of this book but what i do think is interesting is you don't really know when it's set they don't explicitly state when this happened. So it's obviously after the killing joke, but it's obviously after the killing joke in a in a universe where Barbara gets to walk again because she's in a suit. But none of them are in their present day main comic book costumes. This is true. They're all in very, very classic versions of each of their costumes. 
When you think about it, Red Hood is very much in the style of Hush as well. It, yeah, it is. As is uh, Barbara's costume, really. She's in the the kind of dark grey, almost black Batgirl costume. Mm-hmm. Which actually, I have to say, and I will mention it now, even though I was talking about the story, I really appreciate the artwork in this. I said it in all three of my reviews, which you can read over on our website, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. There, but I really appreciated the fact that this looks like what I feel like every Bat book should look like. Like Gotham is dark. It's not overtly gothic, but it's, you know, it's dreary. It's rainy. It's, it felt like everything a Batman book should be to me. I would agree wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. <laughs> Holdheartedly? Yeah, hold my heart. <laughs> I'm busy agreeing with you. Okay. Was the story what you expected it to be? Because it was not for me. No, but I liked it. I thought it was a very interesting concept that made perfect sense. And I really liked the ending. That made perfect sense as well. I think it was very, very clever how you went into it thinking, I really need to understand how there's three Jokers. Is this like the multiverse bleeding together and it's three different Jokers that have all managed to coexist on one Earth? Or is this some sort of weird cloning situation? What's going on? And actually, that was not the point of the story whatsoever. I think that was very clever. It just meant that I spent the entire of all three issues thinking, what, what, well, when am I going to find out what's going on? And then, oh, actually, that's not what you're trying to tell me. You're trying to tell me something equally interesting that's elsewhere. Very, very clever, I felt. And it kind of fits with the Joker War stuff in a way as well. The message and the lesson that you had yeah. to learn for that. Yes, it does. Very much. I, there was an aspect of the book that I wondered how you would feel about, which is Jason and Barbara. Yeah, that was sad. I'm reading um, the first Batman Eternal. I was going to call it Batman Endgame for some reason. I'm reading the first Batman Eternal, well, rereading the first Batman Eternal at the moment, and I'd forgotten that there is some romantic sparkage between the two of them in that book as well. Obviously, you always think, if you think Barbara, you think Barbara and and Dick. I knew you were going to laugh at me for saying that. Oh, Sorry, yes. Barbara and Jason is not what I automatically think of. No, but then he's that sort of wild card, bad guy image. Whereas Grayson's a bit more clean cut. Yeah. Mentally more stable. Yeah. Whereas Jason's got a bit more of the, he needs a bit more of the love. True, yeah, he does. Did you spend much of this book thinking that Jason was going to end up being a new Joker? I did for a little bit, then I thought, no, it's too obvious. Yes. I thought it was an interesting bit of subterfuge, though. And interesting that that would be the person that a Joker would think of to make next. I did get really sad in the, when I got to the point where old, uh, old Crowbar came out again. I was like, <laughs> not again. Did you have a favourite of the three Jokers? Was that a controversial question to ask? I think that's slightly controversial. I think I was surprised by the one true Joker. If that was... Well, we don't know if it's a true Joker. Well, we'll get to that in a second, but I do think that's a very interesting point. The dominant personality. Which was the comedian. 
You had the thief, the comedian, and the... Clown. Clown, yes. You know what they say? There's always a joker in the pack. They do. So, <laughs> did you just quote me the theme tune of Kath and Kim? There's always a lonely clown. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, wow. Um, I never expected a Kath and Kim reference there. Well done. Well done, Boy Wonder. No, but what you, yeah, so what you touched on there, which I did think was really interesting, was the the fact that given what you expected three jokers to be, they managed to make it in the end still be like every other joker story. In that his origin and his history is uh is like multiple choice. In that whole thing that Christopher Nolan talks about with Heath Ledger's Joker, in that he didn't want him to have a story, he wanted him to be the agent of chaos. So he just appears when he can cause the most trouble and then disappears and he just weaves in and out of the story and doesn't need that origin. And the only time we've ever really put a pin in it is in The Killing Joke. And so we looked back at that here and said, well, that might be it, but who knows if I'm the original or not. And so you, you felt, in a way, it felt like you were kind of, you could interpret it that this might be the original Joker, or actually, was this Joker made by another Joker, and that's this Joker's origin, but not the origin of the original Joker. And suddenly you realise that actually, you've not really learned anything about the character that suddenly unravelled what they've never dared to tell in the past. Oh dear, you've they've just cross-eyed. I've, I have, haven't I? But they've just... They've widened it out and made it interesting and given it one hell of an ending. Yes. Very very well written. Very well thinky, plonky, confusing. Thinky, plonky? Thinky, plonky, yeah. <laughs> I think it was well done. I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not a writer, so I don't know. What do you think of the artwork then? Did, I know you said you agreed with me about the fact that it looks like a bat book should look, but... It was very reminiscent of the classic books such as Hush and Kill and Joke. I agree. I think I said in my review, I think it was the first issue, I said that it feels like an instant classic. Like, I didn't feel like I was picking up a new book. I felt like I was going to the shelf and dusting off an old favourite. It, imme- it was like an instant classic. So you're saying it's almost like an instant classic? It's like an instant classic. Mm-hmm. I look forward to owning it in hardback. Yes, as to <laughs> why... You had a really menacing look on your face when you said that. Did I? Yeah. Like an evil, like, I look forward to owning this on a hardback. <laughs> are you, would you, are you <laughs> recommending it or are you not recommending it? Yes, I've just recommended it. I mean, get on. By the way, I did start thinking about how... Uh, we'll have to buy another bookshelf. After the controversy of the, we're not putting scores in reviews anymore and you're oh, saying, what no, am I supposed to do? we're not having another bloody score. I did. No, no, no. I did. I started thinking about how you could score things and then I thought of something really funny and I didn't write it down and I've completely forgotten about it so it's just whether you recommend it or not which I do wholeheartedly oh I'm going to give it a score of three out of three jokers three out of three jokers I'm guessing that's what you have to say on the matter then oh and I would recommend it <laughs> okay well you can pick up all three issues of Batman three jokers in print and in digital now where all good comics are sold there will be a collected edition, but it'll be a little while till that comes out, probably early in the new year, I would imagine. They normally give it a couple of months after it's finished its normal running publication before they do a, a hardback edition. It's not in time for Crimble. 
No, not unless they rush. I mean, they could rush it out in time for for Crimbo, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's slightly afterwards. That wraps things up for this week. We will be back in two weeks' time when we're in the middle of lockdown part two. Lockdown episode two. Yeah. Government strikes back. Uh, in work emails, I put lockdown squared. I put the little two. Mm, very good. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. Lockdown two. Lockdown squared. Oh, we don't. It's really sad to say, but there's nothing coming out in the next couple of weeks that I can think of off the top of my head that we need to talk about. Maybe we'll have a lockdown special. Don't know what it'll be special about. We'll probably have gone a bit nuts by then. What to watch and read in lockdown 2.0. Maybe. (laughs) How to paint a bedroom. Yeah, how to make your bedroom look like a concrete block. In saying that, it's not really lockdown for me, so... No, we'll still be going to work anyway. It's the beauty of working in the National Health Service. So until next time, we'll stop rambling and go and watch Bake Off, which starts in roughly an hour. So I'm going to have a wee Jaffa cake. (laughs) Keep warm, because, you know, it's cold and dark outside. Stay safe, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye!